Section 26 of Incidents of Travel in Central America, Chiapas and Yucatan, Volume 2, by John Lloyd Steffens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. In the meantime, our masts had become so locked in the branches of the trees that we carried away some of our miserable tackling in extricating them but at length were once more in the middle of the river, and renewed our war against los enemigos de los cristianos. The sun was so hot that we could not stand outside the awning, but the boatman gave us notice when we could have a shot. Our track down the river will be remembered as a desolation and scourge. Old alligators, by dying injunction, will teach the rising generation to keep the head under water when the bungos are coming we killed perhaps twenty and others are probably at this moment sitting on the banks with our bullets in their bodies wondering how they came there with rifles we could have killed at least a hundred at three o'clock the regular afternoon storm came on beginning with a tremendous sweep of wind up the river which turned the bungo round drove her broadside up the stream and before we could come to the bank we had a deluge of rain. At length we made fast, secured the hatch over the place prepared for us, and crawled under. It was so low that we could not sit up, and lying down there was about a foot of room above us. On our arrival at the palisada we considered ourselves fortunate in finding a bungo ready, although she had already on board a full load of logwood from stem to stern. Don Francisco said it would be too uncomfortable, and wished us to wait for a bungo of his own. But delay was to us a worse evil, and I made a bargain to have a portion of the logwood taken out behind the mainmast, so as to admit of a hatch on deck and give room below. But we had not given any personal superintendence, and when we came on board, though the logwood seemed of a rather hard species for sleeping on, we did not discover the extreme discomfort of the place until forced below by the rain. Even the small space engaged, and paid for accordingly, we had not to ourselves. The petain lads crawled under with us, and the patron and senores followed, we could not drive them out into a merciless rain, and all lay like one mass of human flesh, animated by the same spirit of suffering, irritation, and helplessness. During this time the rain was descending in a deluge. The thunder rolled fearfully over our heads. Lightning flashed in through the crevices of our dark, burrowing place, dazzling and blinding our eyes and we heard near us the terrific crash of a falling tree, snapped by the wind, or, as we then supposed, shivered by lightning. Such was our position. Sometimes the knots in the logwood fitted well into the curves and hollows of the body, but in general they were just where they should not be. We thought we could not be worse off, but very soon we found our mistake and looked back upon ourselves as ungrateful murmurers without cause. The mosquitoes 
claimed us as waifs and in murderous swarms found the way under the hatches humming and buzzing fee fa fum i smell the blood of an englishman dead or alive i will have some i now look back upon our troubles at that place with perfect equanimity but at the moment with the heat and confinement we were in anything but an amiable humour and at ten o'clock broke out furious upbraided the patron and his lazy senores for not reaching the mouth of the river before night as is usually done and as he had been charged by the alcalde to do and insisted upon his hauling out into the stream the rain had ceased but the wind was still furious and dead ahead by the misty light we saw a large bungo with one sail set seemingly flying up the river like a phantom we made the patron haul out from the bank but we could not keep the river and after a few zigzag movements were shot across to the opposite side where we brought upon us new and more hungry swarms here we remained an hour longer when the wind died away and we pushed out into the stream this was a great relief the senores though more used to the scourge of mosquitoes than we suffered quite as much the clouds rolled away the moon broke out and but for the abominable insects our float down the wild and desolate river would have been an event to live in memory as it was not one of us attempted to sleep and i verily believe a man could not have passed an entire night on the banks and lived at daylight we were still in the river very soon we reached a small lake and making a few tacks entered a narrow passage called the boca chica or little mouth the water was almost even with the banks and on each side were the most gigantic trees of the tropical forests their roots naked three or four feet above the ground gnarled twisted and interlacing each other gray and dead-looking and holding up so as to afford an extended view under the first branches a forest of vivid green at ten o'clock we passed the boca chica and entered the lake of terminos once more in salt water and stretching out under full sail on the right we saw only an expanse of water on the left was a border of trees with naked roots which seemed growing out of the water and in front but a little to the left and barely visible a long line of trees marking the island of carmen on which stood the town of laguna our port of destination the passage into the lake was shoal and narrow with reefs and sandbars and our boatmen did not let slip the chance of running her ashore their efforts to get her off capped the climax of stupidity and laziness one or two of them pushing on poles at a time as if they were shoving off a rowboat and then stopping to rest and giving up to others of what could be done by united force they seemed to have no idea and after a few ineffectual efforts the patron said 
we must remain till the tide rose we had no idea of another night on board the bungo and took entire command of the vessel this we were entitled to do from the physical force we brought into action even mr catherwood assisted and besides him we were three able-bodied and desperate men juan's efforts were gigantic from the great surface exposed the mosquitoes had tormented him dreadfully and he was even more disgusted with the bungo than we we put two of the men into the water to heave against the bottom with their shoulders and ourselves bearing on poles altogether we shoved her off into deep water with a gentle breeze we sailed smoothly along until we could distinguish the masts of vessels at the laguna rising above the island when the wind died away entirely and left us under a broiling sun in a dead calm at two o'clock we saw clouds gathering and immediately the sky became very black the harbinger of one of those dreadful storms which even on dry land were terrible the hatches were put down and a tarpaulin spread over for us to take refuge under the squall came on so suddenly that the men were taken unaware and the confusion on board was alarming the patron with both hands extended and a most beseeching look begged the senores to take in sail and the senores all shouting together ran and tumbled over the logwood hauling upon every rope but the right one the mainsail stuck halfway up and would not come down and while the patron and all the men were shouting and looking up at it the marinero who had been upset in the canoe with tears of terror actually streaming from his eyes and a start of desperation ran up the mast by the rings and springing violently upon the top one holding fast by a rope brought the sail down with a run a hurricane blew through the naked masts a deluge of rain followed and the lake was lashed into fury we lost sight of everything at the very beginning on account of the confusion on board we determined not to go under the hatch if the bungo swamped the logwood cargo would carry her to the bottom like lead we disencumbered ourselves of boots and coats and brought out life preservers ready for use the deck of the bungo was about three feet from the water and perfectly smooth without anything to hold on by and to keep from being blown or washed away we lay down and took the whole brunt of the storm the atmosphere was black but by the flashes we saw the bare poles of another bungo tossed like ourselves at the mercy of the storm this continued more than an hour when it cleared off as suddenly as it came up and we saw the laguna crowded with more shipping than we had seen since we left new york in our long inland journey we had almost forgotten the use of ships and the very sight of them seemed to bring us into close relations with home the squall having spent its fury there was now a dead calm the men took to their sweeps but made very little headway 
and with the port in full sight we had great apprehensions of another night on board when another squall came on not so violent but blowing directly from the harbor tremendous rain accompanied it we made two or three tacks under a close reefed foresail the old bungo seemed to fly through the water and when under full way the anchor or to speak more correctly stone was thrown out at some distance below the shipping and brought us up all standing there were breakers between us and the shore and we hallooed to some men to come and take us off but they answered that the breakers were too rough the rain came on again and for half an hour we stowed ourselves away under hatches as soon as it cleared off we were on deck and in a little time we saw a fine jolly boat with a coxswain and four men coasting along the shore against a rapid current the men at times jumping into the water and hauling by ropes fixed for the purpose we hailed them in english and the coxswain answered in the same language that it was too rough but after a consultation with the sailors they pulled toward us and took mr catherwood and me on board the coxswain was the mate of a french ship and spoke english his ship was to sail the next day and he was going to take in some large turtles which lay on the beach waiting for him as soon as we struck we mounted the shoulders of two square-built french sailors and were set down on shore and perhaps in our whole tour we were never so happy as at that moment in being rid of the bungo the town extended along the bank of the lake we walked the whole length of it saw numerous and well-filled stores cafes and even barbers shops and at the extreme end reached the american consuls two men were sitting on the portico of a most homelike appearance one was don carlos russell the consul the face of the other was familiar to me and learning that we had come from guatemala he asked news of me which i was most happy to give him in person it was captain fensley whose acquaintance i had made in new york when seeking information about that country and with whom i had spoken of sailing to campeche but at the moment i did not recognize him and in my costume from the interior it was impossible for him to recognize me he was direct from new york and gave the first information we had received in a long time from that place with budgets of newspapers burdened with suspension of specie payments and universal ruin some of my friends had been playing strange antics but in the important matters of marriages and deaths i did not find anything to give me either joy or sorrow don carlos russell or mr charles russell was a native of philadelphia married to a spanish lady of large fortune and though long absent received us as one who had not forgotten his home his house his table all that he had even his purse were at our service our first congratulations over we sat down to a dinner which rivalled that of our friend at totonicapan we could hardly believe ourselves the same miserable beings who had been a few hours before tossing on the lake 
in dread alike of the bottom and of another night on board the bungo the reader must have gone through what we had to form any idea of our enjoyment the negro who served us at table had been a waiter at the house of an acquaintance in broadway we seemed but a step from home and at night we had clean sheets furnished us by our host chapter twenty three laguna journey to merida sisal a new mode of conveyance village of unucama arrival at merida aspect of the city feet of corpus domini the cathedral the procession beauty and simplicity of the indian women palace of the bishop the theatre journey to uxmal hacienda avayalques value of water condition of the indians in yucatan a peculiar kind of coach hacienda of macuiche a beautiful grotto the town of laguna stands on the island of carmen which is about seven leagues long and which with another island about four leagues in length separates the lake of terminos from the gulf of mexico it is the depot of the great logwood country in the interior and a dozen vessels were then in port awaiting cargoes for europe and the united states the town is well built and thriving its trade has been trammelled by the oppressive regulations of the central government but it had made its pronunciamiento disarmed and driven out the garrison and considered itself independent subject only to the state government of yucatan the anchorage is shoal but safe and easy of access for vessels not drawing over twelve or thirteen feet of water we could have passed some time with satisfaction in resting and strolling over the island but our journey was not yet ended our next move was for merida the capital of yucatan the nearest port was campeche a hundred and twenty miles distant and the voyage was usually made by bungo coasting along the shore of the open sea with our experience of bungos this was most disheartening nevertheless this would have been our unhappy lot but for the kindness of mr russell and captain fensley the latter was bound directly to new york and his course lay along the coast of yucatan personally he was disposed to do all in his power to serve us but there might be some risk in putting into port to land us knowing his favorable disposition we could not urge him but mr russell was his consignee and by charter party had a right to detain him ten days and intended to do so but he offered to load him in two days upon condition of his taking us on board and as campeche was blockaded landing us at sisal sixty miles beyond and the seaport of merida captain fensley assented and we were relieved from what at the time we should have considered a great calamity in regard to the project for the purchase of the ruins of palenque which i have before referred to mr russell entered into it warmly and with a generosity i cannot help mentioning hardly to be expected from one so long from home 
requested to be held liable for two thousand dollars as part of the cost of introducing them into the united states in pursuance of my previous arrangement i wrote to the prefect advising him of mr russell's cooperation and referring him to pauley as my agent in settling the details of the purchase this was enclosed in a letter from mr russell to the same effect which stated besides that the money should be paid the moment it was required and both with full instructions were given to pauling the interest which mr russell took in this matter gave me a flattering hope of success and but for him the scheme for making castings would have failed entirely he was engaged in building an unusually fine house and in order to finish it had sent to campeche for plaster of paris but not finding any there had imported some from new york fortunately he had a few barrels left and but for this accident there was none nearer than vera cruz or new orleans pauling's journey so far as related to this object would have been fruitless we settled the details of sending the plaster with pauling to palenque receiving and shipping the castings to me at new york and on saturday morning at seven o'clock bade farewell to mr russell and embarked on board the gabrielacho pauling accompanied us outside the bar and we took leave of him as he got on board the pilot boat to return we had gone through such rough scenes together since he overtook us at the foot of the sierra madre that it may be supposed we did not separate with indifference juan was still with us for the first time at sea and wondering where we would take him next the gabrielacho was a beautiful brig of about one hundred and sixty tons built under captain fensley's own direction one half belonging to himself and fitted up neatly and tastefully as a home he had no house on shore one daughter was at boarding school in the united states and the rest of his family consisting of his wife and a little daughter about three years old was with him on board since his marriage seven years before his wife had remained but one year on shore and she determined not to leave him again as long as he followed the seas while he was resolved that every voyage should be the last and looked forward to the consummation of every sailor's hopes a good farm his daughter vicentia or poor senci as she called herself was the pet of all on board and we had twelve passengers interesting to the common council of new york being enormous turtles one of which the captain hoped would gladden the hearts of the fathers of the city at their fourth of july dinner the reader cannot realize the satisfaction with which we found ourselves in such comfortable quarters on board this brig we had an afternoon squall but we considered ourselves merely passengers and with a good vessel master and crew laughed at a distant bungo crawling close along the shore and for the first time feared that the voyage would end too soon perhaps no captain ever had passengers so perfectly contented under storm or calm o oh, you who cross the atlantic in packet ships complaining of discomforts 
and threaten to publish the captain because the porter does not hold out, may you one day be caught on board a bungo loaded with logwood. The wear and tear of our wardrobe was manifest to the most indifferent observer, and Mrs. Fensley, pitying our ragged condition, sewed on our buttons, darned, patched, and mended us, and put us in order for another expedition. On the third morning, Captain Fensley told us that we had passed Campeche during the night, and if the wind held, would reach Sisal that day. At eight o'clock we came in sight of the long, low coast, and moving steadily toward it, at a little before dark, anchored off the port, about two miles from the shore. One brig was lying there, a Spanish trader bound to Havana, and the only vessel in port. The anchorage is an open roadstead outside of the breakers, which is considered perfectly safe except during a northeast storm, when Spanish vessels always slip their cables and stand out to sea. In the uncertainty whether what we were going to see was worth the trouble, and the great uncertainty of a conveyance when we wanted it, it was trying to leave a good vessel which in twenty days might carry us home. Nevertheless, we made the exertion. It was dusk when we left the vessel. We landed at the end of a long wooden dock built out on the open shore of the sea, where we were challenged by a soldier. At the head of the pier was a guard and custom house, where an officer presented himself to escort us to the commandant. On the right, near the shore, was an old Spanish fortress with turrets. A soldier, barely distinguishable on the battlements, challenged us, and, passing the quartel, we were challenged again. The answer, as in Central America, was patria libre. The tone of the place was warlike, the liberal party dominant. The revolution, as in all the other places, had been conducted in a spirit of moderation, but when the garrison was driven out, the commandant, who had been very tyrannical and oppressive, was taken, and the character of the revolution would have been stained by his murder, but he was put on board a bungo and escaped. We were well received by the commandant, and Captain Fensley took us to the house of an acquaintance, where we saw the captain of the brig in the offing, which was to sail in eight days for Havana, and no other vessel was expected for a long time. We made arrangements for setting out the next day for Merida, and early in the morning accompanied the captain to the pier, saw him embark in a bungo, waited till he got on board, and saw the brig, with a fine breeze and every sail set, stand out into the ocean for home. We turned our backs upon it with regret. There was nothing to detain us at Sisal, Though prettily situated on the seashore and a thriving place, it was merely the depot for the exports and imports of Merida. At two o'clock we set out for the capital. We were now in a country as different from Central America as if separated by the Atlantic, and we began our journey with an entirely new mode of conveyance. It was a vehicle called a caleche, built somewhat like the old-fashioned cab, but very large, cumbersome, made for rough roads, 
without springs and painted red green and yellow one cowhide trunk for each was strapped on behind and above them reaching to the top of the caleche was secured a pile of sacate for the horses the whole of this load with mr catherwood and me was drawn by a single horse having a rider on his back two other horses followed for a change harnessed and each with a boy riding him the road was perfectly level and on a causeway a little elevated above the plain which was stony and covered with scrub trees at first it seemed a great luxury to roll along in a wheel carriage but with the roughness of the road and the caleche being without springs in a little while this luxury began to be questionable after the magnificent scenery of central america the country was barren and uninteresting but we perceived the tokens of a rich interior in large cars drawn by mules five abreast with high wheels ten or twelve feet apart and loaded with hemp bagging wax honey and ox and deerskins the first incident of the road was changing horses which consisted in taking out the horse in the shafts and putting in one of the others already in a sweat this occurred twice and at one o'clock we entered the village of unukama pleasantly situated embowered among trees with a large plaza at that time decorated with an arbor of evergreens all around preparatory for the great feat of corpus christi which was to be celebrated the next day here we took three fresh horses and changing them as before and passing two villages through a vista two miles long saw the steeples of merida and at six o'clock rode into the city the houses were well built with balconied windows and many had two stories the streets were clean and many people in them well dressed animated and cheerful in appearance caleches fancifully painted and curtained having ladies in them handsomely dressed without hats and their hair ornamented with flowers gave it an air of gaiety and beauty that after the sombre towns through which we had passed was fascinating and almost poetic no place had yet made so agreeable a first impression and there was a hotel in a large building kept by doña micaele driving up to which we felt as if by some accident we had fallen upon a european city the reader will perhaps be surprised but i had a friend in merida who expected me before embarking from new york i had been in the habit of dining at a spanish hotel in fulton street frequented principally by spanish americans at which place i had met a gentleman of merida and learned that he was the proprietor of the ruins of uxmal as yet i knew nothing of the position or character of my friend but i soon found that everybody in merida knew don simon peon in the evening we called at his house it was a large aristocratic-looking mansion of dark gray stone with balconied windows occupying nearly the half of one side of the plaza unfortunately he was then at uxmal 
but we saw his wife father mother and sisters the house being a family residence and the different members of it having separate haciendas they had heard from him of my intended visit and received me as an acquaintance don simon was expected back in a few days but in the hope of finding him at uxmal we determined to go on immediately doña joaquina his mother promised to make all necessary arrangements for the journey and to send a servant with us it was long since we passed so pleasant an evening we saw many persons who in appearance and manner would do credit to any society and left with a strong disposition to make some stay in merida end of section twenty six